welcome to the Plant School Podcast. I'm Rachel Tenney, and here we learn all about plants, how they work, how to care for them, and it's all taught in a way that anyone from beginner to expert can listen to, understand, and enjoy. So I hope that you will join me in Plant School. Hello, and welcome to Plant School. I'm so excited for today's episode. You may read the title and be like, oh my gosh, what is this about? Do I have the stomach to listen to it? But let me tell you, it is super interesting and I had so much fun researching it and learning more about it because I was genuinely curious of if using these things as fertilizer, menstrual blood and urine was worth it. But before I get into all the intricacies of this episode, let's start by announcing our two giveaway winners. I do this every single episode. If you've been listening, this is nothing new to you. But if you are new here, I choose one person from Spotify to win a free plant. And then I also choose someone from Apple Podcasts to win a free plant. So if you're listening on Spotify, you can answer the question underneath this episode and you will be entered in to win a free plant. And I will announce that next episode. And then if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, you can leave a review there and I choose a review every single week and I will announce the winner every episode. So for today on Spotify, I asked you guys to name one thing that the money tree symbolizes and today's winner is Savannah Scott. She said that it can symbolize good luck and she even included this little tidbit that was so fun to read. She talked about how she works at a garden center and she was able to use what she learned in the episode about money trees with a customer. And then she said, love this podcast and all of the helpful tidbits you provide. Thank you so much, Savannah. Go ahead and email me at tennyplants, T-E-N-N-E-Y plants at gmail.com and I will get you set up with your free plant. And moving over to Apple Podcasts, our winner today, the username is Snow Loves to Sing. And they said that this was their first episode, that they are a new listener. They listened to the episode about how to prepare for winter for their houseplants because in their review, they talk about how they are in Florida and trying to figure out how to keep their plants safe while they are going through some unseasonably cold weather. So I hope that episode helped. And if that was you who left that review, go ahead and email me at 10aplants at gmail.com and I'll get you your free houseplant as well. And a quick shout out to the people, the greenhouse, making this possible. You can check them out at onlinegardencenter.store. I was actually looking through their stock before I started this episode and they have some really fun ones on here. For example, if I were choosing one, I'd probably choose their philodendron prince of orange. So pretty. But also, I've been wanting to get a philodendron ring of fire for a while. I'm just all about philodendrons, I guess, because another one I wanted to mention is that they just added philodendron pincatas. I think I'm saying that right. This one has some really pretty white variegation. And right now you can reserve it because it comes and goes. So they have a reservation coming up. They like refund the money that you spend for the reservation. It's just simply to put your name on the list. So when they are back in stock, you can get them. But it is such a pretty plant. I am considering putting myself on the reservation list. So go ahead and check them out. They've got some really fun plants. That's onlinegardencenter.store. It's a great way to support a small, locally owned greenhouse. All right, and with that, let's get into today's episode. So kind of as a small backstory, I did an episode a bit ago. I think it was episode 127. The title of it was Worst Plant Advice That You've Ever Heard. 
And then I asked you guys to just send me any awful advice that you had seen or just questionable plant content in general. And thank you so much to everyone who sent me stuff. One of them inspired this episode. And so I was sent this video. It was pretty shocking. It was someone on Instagram explaining how and why they use their own menstrual blood as houseplant fertilizer. Now, I've heard of people using urine, but menstrual blood was kind of new to me. I was pretty intrigued because this whole idea of using your bodily fluids it's pretty different, right? It often makes people really be grossed out, and I wanted to know if it actually worked. So, just like as a note, we're body positive, urinating, and having a period are natural body processes. We don't need to demean them and be grossed out by it because it's how our bodies work. Anyways, the whole point of this episode is to know if they actually work, do they do more harm than good? We're going to find out. I deep dived into both menstrual blood and urine as fertilizer. And as I was digging into this, I think I need to do an episode about using our feces because that's like a whole nother thing. But today we're focusing on blood and urine. So let's begin. Let's start with menstrual blood as fertilizer and look into the efficacy of that. So to start off, Using blood in gardening practices is not new. It's actually been used for so many years. It's an ancient practice. There's even a book. It was written by an Islamic man. Its title is Kitab al-Falaha, meaning Book of Agriculture. And it actually combined the practices from past knowledge and cultures. So they took from the Byzantines, the Romans, and the Greeks, and others, and talked about how to use their different cultural practices in gardening and what works well. And so in it, it mentions using animal and even human blood as a fertilizer. And in its own words, it says you can use it to revive different trees and plants. So it also states that you can use any blood, but the best blood is considered to be camel's blood, sheep blood, or human blood for its use on plants. And today we still use blood. It's called blood meal and it's used in many natural fertilizers. You can buy straight blood meal, but usually it's uh, a mixture of different natural products to make those fertilizers. And so this blood, it's not like they're collecting it from hospitals or something. They are collecting it from meat processing plants. So it comes from animals and they dry up this blood and they grind it into a powder. Honestly, I think that's awesome that we are utilizing this resource that would normally just be wasted at a meat processing plant. So I think that's great. I think that's a great thing to do. I feel like using your own menstrual blood is on a more smaller scale because for most women it's once a month and it only happens during certain years of your life. So it's just on a much smaller scale. But blood is used because it does contain the three necessary macronutrients for plant life, nitrogen, phosphorus, and potassium, or we also know it as NPK. The phosphorus and potassium levels are really low in blood, so if you look up the NPK value for blood meal or dried blood, it's usually around 12.00. There's not even enough of a percentage to show up on the NPK value. So blood isn't super impressive as far as NPK goes. Nitrogen is great, keeps, you know, plants' leaves green, and it's super important. 
but phosphorus and potassium are also important for plants. So to not have those is kind of a big bummer to me. And the other thing to consider when using menstrual blood is that when it is excreted, about 36% of it is blood and 64% of it is mucus and tissue debris. And it's not equal for every woman. And also the blood is not equal for every woman. The levels of iron, your levels of sodium and calcium really vary depending on the woman, what you're eating, and other factors in your life. And sodium we need to take a special note of that because it can be really harmful if there's too much of it. It prevents plants from being able to absorb water and will kill the plant. This is also a factor that comes in with using your urine, but we'll talk about that later. Another thing that's really important is that blood can carry disease. So if you have HIV, hepatitis B or hepatitis C, or any other bacterial infection in the blood, using your blood as a fertilizer is a biohazard. It's not recommended to use your blood if you have those diseases. And another thing not to do is to put your blood into a spray bottle and use it as like a sort of foliar spray for your plants. That means you're spraying it onto the leaves of your plant, directly onto it. I bring this up because there was a very popular TikTok that was going around of someone who had put their menstrual blood into a spray bottle and they were going around and spraying it on plants. And this just is not recommended. It's literally making your blood airborne and it can spread your bodily fluids, not just on your plants, but all over your living space if you're using it inside, and it can allow bacteria and other pathogens to spread over surfaces on your plants and in your home on other surfaces. So definitely don't be putting it into a spray bottle. Also, blood can have a smell. If you're a woman, you know. If you've had a bloody nose, you know that blood can smell. And so you can have this smell in your home if you don't dilute it and you are using it for your houseplants. Just as a note, you can be using this outside too. That would probably be the preferred method because of things like the smell. So after all of that, if you are determined to try to use your menstrual blood as a fertilizer, here's the steps to do it. So first, you want to water your blood down before applying it to your plants, and you can do this by soaking your period underwear in water, or if you're using reusable pads, you can soak them in a bucket of water, or if you're using a cup, you can simply pour that blood into a bucket of water. It's recommended to dilute it just so that you don't burn your plants with the salt content of your blood and also to help with the smell. And I didn't see anything about people trying it with uh, disposable tampons or pads. I don't know if they would work as well. But once you have your blood in water, you don't want to let it sit for too long. It can grow bacteria if it's left stagnant. It needs to be used right away. Storing it is definitely not recommended because of the bacterial growth that can happen. And another great thing about watering it down is that it hopefully will not attract insects, whereas just your concentrated blood being applied either outside or inside can actually attract insects to it. 
And so once you have it in a bucket, just know that you're going to want to keep an eye on the plants that you do fertilize with your period blood because not all of them may handle it very well. The macro and micronutrients provided them can be different and some plants don't do as well with it as others. So what you would be looking for is like change in the foliage color. If your leaves go yellow or if there's a browning of the leaves or if there's just a change in the plant's overall health. Anything that seems out of the norm, that's kind of what you're looking for. If you notice these changes, probably stop and just give your plant a break. You can flush it out with water to kind of get rid of those excess nutrients or salts that may be affecting it. And when you are pouring this mixture of blood and water onto your plants, please know that there's not too much research that has been done for using it on edible plants. So I would recommend keeping it limited to ornamental plants, things that you will not be eating at a later time. And last thing, if you are wanting to do this, is know that dogs and cats are often attracted to bone meal fertilizer, and it is very possible that they may be attracted to your homemade blood fertilizer as well. It's just something to keep a note of that they may smell it and be attracted to it. So after all of that, here are my final thoughts, and you don't have to agree with me, but these are my final thoughts regarding menstrual blood. So I would probably consider using it only outside on ornamental plants. I don't think I'm down to use it in my home because I don't want to expose the people I love to possible pathogens. I don't want to smell it. I'm not currently pregnant, but when I'm pregnant, I have the nose of a bloodhound. No pun intended. And I just, I don't want to be smelling it. And so I know that if pregnant Rachel came along, she would hate that. So I just don't really need that in my life. That's why I would keep it outside. The NPK value honestly is not super impressive to really convince me. It seems like a lot of kind of messy work for not so great results. There's just like not a lot of research that's been done with using human menstrual blood on plants. So I, I'm just not seeing any evidence that oh, I should be doing this. It's really great. So maybe outside on ornamental plants, you know, why not? But like overall, I would say I'm maybe like 20% likely to try this down the road just because it's quite a hassle. So those are my thoughts. Take it or leave it. Let's move on to using your urine as a fertilizer. So I heard of this idea a while ago. I read this book called There's No Such Thing as Bad Weather. It is a lovely book. It's written by this Scandinavian mother and she's kind of talking about the differences in how they raise their kids in the Scandinavian countries versus America. She wrote this book because she was raising a child in America and it was just very different from what she was used to in her home country. But anyways, I digress. In part of this book, she mentions that her mother, who is quite a granola hippie lady, she would collect her urine. I think she had like I forget what she called it, like a wee bucket. Anyway, she would dilute it down and use it as a fertilizer for her garden. And everyone kind of knew that there was one watering can, the wee watering can that if you were grossed out by it, don't touch it. So I've actually considered doing this. After reading that book, I was like, oh, you know what? That's kind of cool. And as I dug into it, I don't know, guys, I may be more convinced and maybe you'll want to try 
by the end of this episode too. Let me let me just lay it all out for you because I feel like number one, I feel like it makes people really feel squeamish and and this applies to the blood too. Blood makes me feel even more squeamish because I don't know, it's just not my forte dealing with blood, I I guess you could say. I feel like with uh, urine, we feel a little bit icky about it because we associate human waste with disease and filth. And most of the time, the disease is often caused by our feces, not our urine. Urine is not normally a major carrier of disease, and it is safe to use. And as I was like researching is urine was even declared as safe for home garden use without pre-treatment by the World Health Organization. So it has their stamp of approval that you can use it for your home garden. You don't need to treat it and it will be fine. On the other hand, just like as a side note, I as I was researching, you know, can you use urine? There were actually a lot of articles and research about using human waste like your poo and they called it humanure, which I thought was so hilarious, but apparently it's it's just an old term. It's been around for a long time, but it's actually a really ancient practice. And I'm like, hmm, I don't think I could cover it in this episode, but I think we might need to do an episode one day about humanure, about using all of the human waste, our, our poo and pee for our plants. Also, I feel so bad if anyone is like, doesn't do well with talking about poo, pee, and blood. I am so sorry. If you're still listening, way to go. My husband and I have actually been having a huge struggle with our two young boys. They just will not stop making potty jokes. It's exhausting. And here I am doing a whole episode about human waste. (laughs) And on the other hand, When I'm not doing this episode, I'm telling my boys constantly, please stop talking about that kind of stuff. I just feel very hypocritical (laughs) doing this episode. But anyways, got a little sidetracked. Going back to urine. Like blood, it is a practice that our predecessors used quite often. It was used for thousands of years in parts of Africa and Asia. And the reason why it stopped is because of the creation of the sewage system. Without the sewage system, we would probably still be using these practices, but instead we flushed away and don't even think about it. So the NPK value, the nitrogen, phosphorus, and potassium value of a healthy human urine is on average around 11 to 4. So 11% nitrogen, 2% phosphorus, and 4% potassium which is not too bad. And so diluting it is recommended because there is a lot of salt in our urine. You've seen what happens when a dog pees on your lawn. All that salt burns your lawn. It kills the grass. So too much urine can cause fertilizer or salt burn. So just be aware that it is recommended to dilute it down. And there's other ways to do this that I'll talk about. But the urine that you excrete in just one single day is enough to grow enough wheat to make a loaf of bread. That's pretty impressive. Every time you eat some bread, think of your pee as fertilizer. (laughs) I actually don't think of that. That might ruin your lunch. Anyways, there's actually a ton of studies delving into the efficacy of using human urine, and it has some really great results. There were so many studies. I picked a few that I thought were interesting, 
but I could go on and on about the different studies that have been done. And actually, a lot of these studies have been recent because with the war in Ukraine going on, they are a big producer of, oh, what is it? I think it was potash and maybe some other components of fertilizer. It was like 30% of the world's fertilizer comes from Ukraine. And so with them being in a war, there has been a huge shortage and prices have gone up like crazy. And so a lot of this research into using urine has been spurred on because of that war. But, but also they've been doing these studies for years. So in one study, they went to these farms in the Republic of Niger and they used urine. They found a 30% increase in grain production compared to the other farms that were not using the urine fertilizer. And it was kind of interesting because they actually renamed the urine to Oga. They wanted to remove the social unacceptance of using your waste as a fertilizer. So they just simply called it Oga and it caught on. And I believe that they've kept using this even after the study was finished, which is really cool. There was another study in the Agronomy Society of Nepal and they tested urine's effect on various crops. They found that it actually held its ground against the chemical fertilizers. There was no significant reduction in yield of these various crops. So at the end of the study, they recommended using your urine with compost to kind of help those lower P and K values over the long term. They found that mixing it with compost was super beneficial. And in a more recent study in 2018, they found that urine delivered good agricultural results and they found that cow manure had the best results, but the urine was a close second and it could be used as a chemical substitute, meaning you don't have to go to the store and buy any fertilizer. And another reason why experts have been working so hard at figuring out if urine could be used and making it a little more mainstream is because there is a lot of downsides to chemical fertilizers. With chemical fertilizers, you deal with things like runoff pollution. Those excess nutrients just go off with the water and make its way into rivers and lakes, and it can cause things like algae blooms and other undesired effects. Also, chemical fertilizers can have high costs. And so some countries, they even have these specialized toilets that collect urine. So it doesn't use water and you pee into a certain area and that pee is collected to be used as fertilizer for local farms in that area. And your poo goes in a different spot. You, that, that was pretty crucial to not mix those so that there were no undesired bacteria being dealt with. So researchers really do believe that urine is the future of natural fertilizers, especially since it's mass produced by literally everyone in the world. And instead of flushing it away, you know, it can be used by Mother Earth to revitalize plant growth. And you guys might know this, but actually flushing away your pee can cause problems too. Wastewater treatment plants oftentimes cannot remove all of the nitrogen from wastewater. And so that can cause algae blooms as well, just like the chemical fertilizers can with their runoff. It can kill fish and it can contribute to nutrient pollution of just having all these excess nutrients in places where it's not really needed. And it's so crazy to me because if just a small portion of us 
implemented using our urine for fertilizer, it can make a huge difference. So just as an example, if 10% of the U.S. population collected their urine in a single day, just in a single day, it would create 330 tons of nitrogen and 20 tons of phosphorus. No factories involved. It's just our bodies doing its job. That's amazing to me. And as I was going through, there actually has been some concern that perhaps pee from those with UTIs, urinary tract infections, they could contain DNA from bacteria with genes for antibiotic resistance. So that means you're, you're taking antibiotics to get rid of your UTI, and when you pee, there is bacteria in that pee with DNA that could possibly be resistant to antibiotics. And they're worried that maybe the soil microbes could take this DNA and they could become resistant to antibiotics. And the reason why this is a huge deal and could have such disastrous effects is because those soil microbes, if they took on that DNA that was antibiotic resistant, they would no longer be affected by the drugs that we use to kill them. They would continue to grow and make themselves impossible to kill. And so if you think of a farmer trying to get rid of disease in his huge farm and he can't and his whole crop is ruined, then we have no food and and it would just keep going and be pretty disastrous. So there actually have been some studies testing, you know, if someone with a UTI who has been taking antibiotic drugs, pees, are the soil microbes going to take that up? And they found that if it was fresh pee, that those soil microbes could do that. But if you had stored the pee even for a few days, that the soil microbes could not get that DNA and incorporate it into their systems. There's a lot more research that needs to be done in that area, but I thought it was just kind of interesting. It was not something that I was thinking about when I initially dove into this topic, but I did want to cover it. So moving on, if you would like to use urine in your garden, this is what you need to do. And just before we begin... This practice actually is not recommended for those in arid or semi-arid regions where you don't get much rain because the rain and the water flushes out excess salts from the soil naturally. And so if you don't have enough rain to do that, there can be salt buildup and it can cause damage to plants to have a really salty soil. I live in an area that I would probably say is semi-arid. So if I did this, I would need to be very careful to dilute my urine enough that it wouldn't have a salt buildup effect or maybe I would just need to make sure that I'm using enough water in my garden to kind of flush away those salts. But anyway, step one is to pee into a container and keep it closed and airtight and this is because urine contains urea and urea will quickly convert to ammonia gas when it is exposed to air. So that gas will just dissipate if it's not sealed and it can lower the nitrogen content of of the pee and kind of render it useless. So you wanna keep it sealed. You can pee directly into a container. They actually have odor blocking funnel attachments that you can use to pee into. You can create your own DIY pee toilet and collect pee that way and have your whole family go in this pee toilet and collect it there and make sure it stays closed when it's not being used. And you can store 
your urine for a while in a container, it will actually kind of pasteurize itself. Scientists recommend storing it in an area that gets over 70 degrees Fahrenheit or 21 degrees Celsius for a period of about two to three months. And that urea that hydrolyzes to ammonia will actually sanitize the urine. But like I said, the World Health Organization says that you can use your urine untreated in your garden, but this is just like an extra step in case you are worried and you do want to pasteurize your urine. You can store it for two to three months above 70 degrees and you should be good to go. Another tip for helping with the odor, a lot of people recommended using an acid to prevent the smell. So they recommend using one to two cups of white vinegar or one tablespoon per five gallons of urine. So you don't need a whole lot of acid, but it can be used to help with smell. Another tip to avoid any sort of problems, perhaps if you decided not to pasteurize your urine, it's recommended to use gloves if you think you're going to get it on yourself. And it's also recommended to wait at least a month from when you put your urine on and fertilize your crops to eating them. And this is if you are eating them raw. So that would be things like lettuce or raw broccoli, but other things that you are cooking like zucchini or corn, things that you will be cooking, it's not too much of a risk. It's mostly just for those vegetables or fruits that you're eating raw it's best to have 30 days between fertilization and eating. A lot of people recommend to do it when the plants are young but not seedlings and before flowering and fruiting. So kind of in that window, they will go out and fertilize their gardens with that urine water. And I saw a lot of people who would just go out and pee in their garden and you can do that. You can actually take undiluted urine and you want to apply it to the ground. Don't be peeing onto the leaves of your plant. That will give it salt burn and burn the foliage. Apply it at least four inches away from the base of the plant. You can cover it with soil. You can irrigate it to kind of help with those salts or you can be applying it right after you've had a rainstorm or like I've been talking about, you can dilute it with water in the beginning before applying it. Another thing you can do, if you don't want to use it in your garden, you can actually put pea in compost piles for extra nutrients to help it break down and feed the compost. That's another great way to not have your urine just simply be flushed away and go to waste. And that's how you can use it. So my final thoughts for using urine as fertilizer after all of this research is I'm actually more convinced that I should try it perhaps more so in my garden and yard than for my houseplants. I did not see a lot of studies of people using it for their houseplants. I feel like there could be another smell factor there. And also, I feel like there could be a risk factor of salt burn because your houseplants have small pots, not a whole lot of soil is in them, whereas outside, that's a large area. So I don't think I'd do it inside. I think I would do it definitely outside, but just all the scientific studies, the human history, and even the granola people that were on Reddit that I was reading all their comments, they have all shown great results. And I think the benefits to the environment as well is just all of it together is substantial. There's not a big risk of disease or pathogens. And so I think it's a great environmental friendly option to helping plant growth. The one thing, the one thing that is keeping me back from just going out and doing it right now is probably the gross factor and it's not for me it's for my husband he is not nearly as like crunchy 
as I am, you could say. And I think it brings up a good point. I think the whole social acceptance aspect is a huge reason why it's not more mainstream. We are so used to just flushing away our waste. It's icky. It's gross. We don't want to think about it. But honestly, you know, looking at the research and all this results, I think we are wasting an amazing resource. So I think urine is a great idea. And feel free to have your own opinion on it. You don't have to agree with me. But I had so much fun researching this. It was just super interesting. It's something I'm not normally looking into. And so I had a lot of fun doing this episode. So thank you so much for listening in. I hope you learned something new. Maybe you're willing to try something new. But anyways, I hope you will join me in two weeks for a brand new episode of the Plant School Podcast. Thank you so much for being here and for listening to the Plant School Podcast. I hope that you will join me for our next episode. And if you would like to support this podcast and keep it going, there's a link down in the show notes of this episode where you can donate to this podcast. And I really appreciate all that help. Or you can go to my merch store, which is also linked in the notes of this episode. And you can find some really cool plant-related shirts and stickers. And if you want to support the podcast but spend no money, feel free to share it with a friend, leave a review. All these things greatly help me out and allow me to keep doing this. Again, thank you so much for listening and for being here at the Plant School Podcast. Mm-hmm.